0: Welcome to Paranormal Almanac The Next 200 With your host, Kurt Sandvick. That's me! I'm Kurt Savig, and welcome to another edition of Paranormal Almanac. On this week's edition, let's head north to Alaska for more Alaskan cryptids. But first, as always, always has been, always will be, the first thing that we do is we shout out the patrons who make this show possible. Thank you, patrons. Listen to that 200th episode, visit, buy from, support the patrons in every one of those commercials. If you skip the commercials on the 200th, well, you got to go back and listen to nine hours and 30, whatever minutes, however long it was and support the damn patrons. All righty. We got shout outs going out to Andrew, Stephen McDaniel, Paul, Lucarati, Mark Tortuga. Did I mean, turtle. I think it means turtle. Hannah Boo, Mike from Jersey, Terry Ann, TNT, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy, Virginia. That's Virginia Mailman. Hey, Jenny. Tony, Jason, Vicky Crow, Clay, Tim. Hi, Tim. Buzz. Tom, Libido Works, Glacier, Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Matthew, Sandy, Kelly, Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass, Magic, Robot, Webcomic. Hey, I was just talking about those patrons. There's one you could support right there. Sandy, Paige, Kosh, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devon, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, do like them quite a bit. Elizabeth, Voitech, Sherry, Art, Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Armor Times Ten, Alexandra, George, Seth, Zozo the Demon. Oh wait, I don't have that. I don't have that set up yet. Uh, pretend that uh, I'm not still talking. Uh, Zozo the Demon. Come on, do it right. See, I've taken one week off, and I've already forgotten how to do everything. Let's uh, do Zozo the Demon. (laughs) Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, what's that? Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Phil Mangano, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Jerry, Scoston, Lindsay, Megan, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, hey, howdy, hi to Lauren, Strawn, Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and... Good old gamer fan. Gamer fan who's been with this since April twenty-seventh, twenty eighteen. Ah, oh, cannot thank you enough, sir. Uh once again, two special shout outs to Joe Teague and as always to Stitch. Alrighty, let's talk about merch for a quick second. I'm not gonna go too far into it. Go to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. That's where you can find all the patron, uh, the Paranormal Almanac shirts. The The 200th episode shirts are still there, but they're the time is running out, people. People think I'm bluffing. I've had a bunch of people say, you're not really removing those, right? Because I'm waiting for blah, 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 de, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? No. And they're on sale right now. If you listen to this episode live, well, not live because you'd have to be sitting next to me, but... The day it comes out. If you're listening to the episode of the day it comes out, they are on sale right now. tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. Shirts are on sale. That's the time to get them. All righty, uh, let's go on to the Hand of Fate sale and Giveaway. In case you guys missed it, there was a lot of episode for the 200th episode. Some might say too much episode for the 200th episode. Some might say, Kurt, not enough, to which I say... Okay, but I can't do any more than that. But the Hand of Fate update. Hand of Fate, still here. I just looked at it right before the episode started. The Hand of Fate for sale. That's right. Starting as soon as I finish this episode, I'm confirming orders for every order that I've received so far. If you'd like to purchase a Hand of Fate, just in the subject line, put like, I want to purchase a Hand of Fate. What I will do is I'll reply with the PayPal link and I'll reserve one for you. Locked in. It's only going to be locked in for, I don't know, I'll say three days. If You don't get that payment in three days? It's unlocked. It's back into play. There's only 18 of these things that were made. Probably only 18 that will ever be made. So if you want to purchase an exact replica, molded from the real hand of fate, hand-painted, hand, painted, hand Dated, or not dated, hand-numbered, uh, hand-weathered, betinaed, whatever you want to call it, by me from beginning to end. There's only one hand that's been touching these hand of fates, and that's my hand. That's how you buy them. Now, for the giveaway, October 31st, when the giveaway is going to happen, or right around there, but, you know, that's the cutoff. So maybe November 1st, maybe the 30th, but right around there. The giveaway will happen you want to be entered into the giveaway, all you have to do is email, same email, paranormalalmanac at gmail.com for both, paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. In the subject line, you want to put hand of fate giveaway. And then in the body of the email, make sure you put your name and your address and all that fun stuff because someone's going to win a hand of fate. Now, if you want to increase your odds... One of the two that are beginning to be, blah, one of the two that are gonna be given. There we go, are gonna be given away. Oh hi, Rum. Hi, sweetheart. Well, hello, pretty lady. No, you're such a. I know, I love you too. One of the two that are gonna be given away is only gonna be given away to a patron. You have to be a patron in October. All you're already entered. You don't have to do anything else. You as a patron, you are entered in. We're going to raffle it off. We're going to pull a name. It's going to be one of the patrons. Now, patrons, you can get in on the regular Hand of Fate giveaway by emailing Hand of Fate Giveaway as the subject and then your name and your email address and all that, or name and address and all that fun stuff in the actual body of the email. So patrons can actually get two entries into it. Regular people can only get one. So now's the time to do it. Do not wait. Time is running out right now. There's a fair amount of people. There is quite a lot of people that have entered the regular Hand of Fate giveaway. Not too many people that have purchased or requested to purchase one of the Hands of Fate. So once those 18 are gone, I think I'm done. I don't think I'm going to do another run. I, I, was, I kept saying, you know, if they sell out in the first day, I'll do another run. If not, I probably won't because it's a lot of work. Well, they didn't sell out in the first day, so I'm probably not going to do another run. It's just going to be the one. Alrighty, with the hand of fate information out of the way, let's get right on in to Paranormal News. Randomly choosing a theme song now. Yeah, I know. I just said it. it's paranormal news time, so yeah, of course it's time for paranormal news. I love that one. Alrighty, let's get right on into paranormal news. And did I really lose the internet right then and there? The first story in paranormal news: Prince Philip's UFO investigation could be released. That's right, the Prince Philip, you know, the one with the Queen the Queen that just passed away. That Prince Philip, yeah. Well. He developed a fascination with aliens after a bricklayer reported a close encounter with extraterrestrial life at the home of the Lord Louis Montbotten, which was Philip's late uncle. But until now, his investigative work in the UFO sightings in the UK has remained under wraps. Well, Philip, who died in April of 2021, has been credited with creating his so-called Royal X-Files on the subject, and now they're saying they might be released. Nick Pope, the ex-Ministry of Defense official who was in charge of the UK government's UFO desk between 91 and 94, claims that Philip and Sir Peter Horsley, his ex-RAF associate, spent years investigating alien sightings. He said he kept an eye on developments, subscribed to UFO magazines and newsletters, and had witnesses interviewed. He also claimed that Philip's interest in the subject was deliberately kept under wraps during the reign of the late monarch as it would have caused a stir. He told History TV, this is highly sensitive. Here you have the Queen's husband investigating UFOs. Had the news gotten out, it could have caused a sensation. I don't think so. Now, Lord Mount, Mountbatten, he was assassinated in August of 1979, and Prince Philip are said to have had talked extensively about the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Richard Dolan, an expert on the UFO subject, is convinced the late monarch was aware of conversations between Philip and his uncle. He said you have to assume... Queen Elizabeth knew. That's kind of cool. I want to get some Royal x file stuff happening. Alrighty, righty, up next in paranormal news. Navy admits to having more UFO videos, but refuses to release them. Uh, that was a gasp from me. A oh, big shock. Are you kidding? The, the, the Navy aren't going to do what they told us the 100% they were definitely 100% going to do? Come on. Uh, let's see, in May, the Pentagon held a congressional hearing on UFOs. We all know about that. But now the Navy has told a governmental transparency website that releasing any other UFO videos would harm national security. And all of the government's UFO videos are classified information. All righty, up next in paranormal news, Nessie's back. Yeah, that's right. Nessie is back. I got to make it like a Nessie's back. Back again. Uh, Some kind of jingle for that. But a man claims new webcams installed at the famous Loch Ness have recorded Nessie moving about. An Irishman, who is also a Loch Ness enthusiast, claims to have spotted the creature in footage recorded by the newly installed webcams at the famous lake. The man added that the second sighting from September 15th exists thanks to the new Shoreland Lodges webcam. Uh, Let's see. He says that... uh, his name is Ian O'Fagan. I've talked about him before. I'd like to talk to him. Ian, for the love of God, someone reach out to Ian O'Fagan. I want to talk to him. I don't know if you guys, if I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the actual episode. My, my plan for the 200 is to talk to the guy that actually runs the Loch Ness registry. And Mike, I got my dates mixed up and left him hanging basically. And we never connected again, unfortunately, but I, I'm, I hope to have him on a future episode. But With him, I would like to have Ian O'Fagan maybe do like a whole just Nessie episode. That'd be very cool with people who have actually seen Nessie. But anyhow, Ian has captured two clips of giant eel-like shapes moving on the surface of the water. The man is mostly looking for pieces of evidence of Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, via webcam, but now he's focused on the webcam footage. He's telling people about the existence of these not-a-monsters. Let's see. He said, I captured two very interesting video clips on two of the new webcams recently, the first at the Klansman webcam... At uh, 2013 p.m on September 6th, it's of a water disturbance and a long dark shape which was recorded for four minutes and was the only darkened water visible in the recording of the lock of that time. He added that the second sighting from September 15th, so real recent, exists thanks to the Shoreland Lodges webcam. Now there's only screenshots. I couldn't find the actual videos, and it sure does look like, you know, dark, long eel-like lines in the water. He said, any object visibly appears on the left, oh no, an object visibly appears on the left near the shore and moves steadily to the right of the screen and out of webcam coverage. This object is black and long in the region of six to eight feet, like an eel or rather a very large or giant one. Its dark black color breaks the surface occasionally as it moves to the right. Let's see, the man is said to believe that the theory, which was posted by Professor Neil Jemmel... A geneticist from New Zealand saying that Nessie may be a giant eel could actually be correct. I'm I'm of that feeling. I would love Nessie to be a plesiosaurus, but if Nessie is just some ginormous eel, still going to love it nonetheless. Here you go, Rum. Go chase your ball. Go get it. Uh, let's see. Ian is a 57-year-old man, has made multiple trips to Scotland to try and track the Nessie. He made his first sighting back in 1987, stated that he submitted the two sightings to the official Loch Ness Monster Sighting Register, that thing I was just talking about. Um, He explained, the register says that you have to report any sightings from the new webcams to the owners first, and if they like them, they will contact Gary. That's the guy that I was talking about. I sent the Klansman video, and and another I recorded on my phone, which is a poor quality, to visit Inverness Loch Ness. However... I was told by them that any potential sightings will have to go directly to Gary Campbell to be considered. I love it. Gary, you do great work. Can't wait, hopefully, to talk to you soon. All right, let's keep going. Up next in paranormal news. Look, I took like a week off, technically like 10 days off. Uh, because of that, there's a lot of news. Hey, I'm still going to cruise through this next couple. Peculiar UFO visited, observed, swaying in night sky over a village in India. Now, this one actually is on YouTube, so I'm going to... A strange... Oh, okay, I guess I'm going to go right to it. A strange what? A strange what? Oh, oh no, you're not getting you're not getting a free ad on my my show. Let's see. Let's try that again. A strange light hovering in the night sky in Manipur have left people baffled, leading many to believe the thing in the night sky to be an unidentified flying object or UFO. Reportedly, the right. mysterious so the video, incident was right, witnessed. Sure, 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 sure. So the video shows something over a tree, night sky kind of moves left to right. Boy, that is, I mean, it's definitely a UFO. But It is very hard to say. In my opinion, it is a spotlight bouncing off a cloud. So with that, we're going to move right on to the next one. Up next in paranormal news, Ghost Child filmed at Notoriously Haunted Hotel in Arkansas. That's right. Let me find if I can get to the video of this one real quick. Eureka Springs, Arkansas. We have got a piece of footage. No, I'm not doing that. At the Crescent Hotel... They said that a video of a ghost child was filmed at the Crescent Hotel and a spirit face seen through the static at a Super 8 hotel, both in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. The hotel and spa is notorious for its supernatural activity, earning the title as one of America's most haunted hotels. All right, here's the actual footage. In America, and my nightstand on the creepy door is my eyes chest. So, like, that's I come back early from. bedtime looking for goats. What the crap was so guys, that? What the this crap was-, was that? So, like, early bedtime whoa. looking for go- Wait, I got to watch again. And I'm so sorry, On guys. the creepy door God, is my eye shut. So, like, that's I come back early from. bedtime looking for goats. Okay. I love this video. It is a blink and you miss it child-sized ghost that goes from the right to the left so freaking quick that it would have hit the things that she was just describing. Well, you know, she's talking like, I got a nice chest and other stuff. It would have hit either of those things. Plus, you would have heard it run by. That's how close to the camera this thing was. And I, I'm at a loss for what it is. So I'm immediately, while I'm posting this, here's, here's a video Oops, not Sidio. Here's a video from the this week's new episode out soon. So you guys can actually see when I'm recording this. There we go. The video has been posted to the Paranormal Almanac fan page. Um, if you want to search for it on YouTube, it's called Ghost of Child, filmed at the Crescent Hotel, and Spirit Face, seen through the static at Super 8 Hotel. Now, I haven't gotten to the Spirit Face yet since the ghost... Thrilled me so much. I want to I want to keep watching. I want to see what this next part of it is gonna be. So it's he's going in slow motion. What we the footage I've just described, her, she was going panning around her bed, showing a bunch of stuff on the floor, very close to the bed, and then bedside table, and then boom. That kid, if this thing is real, it could be like a you know a video effect that you can add to a video. If this thing is real, that kid would have ran into the wall, ran into the bedside table something it's neat if it's legit and it's not some like app that lets you put a ghost in a video really impressive really neat alrighty let's move I'm gonna skip ahead i want to get to alright here's the static part of it static at an undisclosed Super 8 hotel oh this one's undisclosed I thought they said they were both in Eureka, Kansas Eureka, Springs, Arkansas I mean nope nope now I'm kind of bummed i wish i wouldn't watch that because the second one is 100 a an app that you can get on your phone of a ghost and i call bullshit on the second one so and does put the first one in doubt you tell me what you guys think head on over to paranormal almanac's fan page on facebook and uh see what you think already up next irish woman reports hearing eerie fairy voice and laugh while lost in the woods That's right. Uh, She was skeptical about the supernatural world until she heard a high-pitched voice that made the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. It says meth. I'm assuming it's maith. A maith woman was terrified when an ordinary walk in nearby woods took a chilling turn. She took to Twitter to try and explain her supernatural ordeal after walking through two trees. I don't know what she means by that. Walking by two trees? The woman then became completely lost without being able to find her way back to the path. Observers quickly said that fairies were at play and explained that Irish folklore may be far more real than many think. She said, I just had to get my steps up for a challenge that we're doing in work. I decided to go walk somewhere nice instead of just doing laps of my estate. It was a nice day, so I said I would go for a walk in the woods. What's the worst that could happen. It was going fine, then the path leads through two identical trees. I stepped through and put my hands on both trees. People are saying now that this was a mistake. One was really warm. The other one was really wet and cold. I walked on and I think I took a left. The main path kind of branched off to the left and it just went nowhere. It went into a really overgrown forest, really high weeds and plants. I knew it wasn't the path. There were lots of people around. It's a very popular spot. So I walked back and I thought this wasn't the main path and I should have taken the other way. I took the other way and then was similarly went nowhere. I went back to the fork to start over, and I went back, and I think I tried to go back the way I came. That also led me nowhere. I walked back up to the main path again, but it didn't look familiar. It was quite overcast at this point as well. I had pulled up Google Maps, and I didn't have a signal on my phone at all, which is not unusual for the area. I decided to keep walking, or I decided to keep trying the paths. There are only three, so I thought I would eventually get somewhere. I kept walking down a path towards a really overgrown area again. At that point, I heard a really light woman's voice. I don't know how to describe it. It was really high. She was shouting, over here. I thought she was probably calling to her kids or something. Then she laughed, and it was just when she laughed, the hairs in the back of my neck stood up. I have a very professional job. I'm not crazy. I'm quite logical. But then the call came from the other side of me. I knew something wasn't right. Something was just wrong. Now, my first instinct was to run, but I didn't know where to run. I just remember turning... I just remember turning your clothes inside out is supposed to help. So I tried that. I felt like it was just mental. What the fuck are you talking about? And how is this in tweets? How many tweets are you doing here? I turned my shirt inside out and put it back on. I was hoping nobody was looking at me because it was a really weird thing to do in the middle of the forest. Yeah, it is a weird thing. What are you talking about? You ha- you're not lost at sea. I turned around and I walked back and almost immediately came to the two trees again. When I turned around and came back, I came to them quicker than when I had been walking in the opposite direction. I didn't even think. I just wanted to get through. Then I could hear the birds again and people and stuff. I didn't know what had just happened. When I got back to my car, I looked at my steps. The last time I had checked my step counter, I had done 8,000 steps or something like that. I had put on an extra 10,000 steps. I didn't come from a family that would have believed this sort of stuff. S- certain things just stuck in your head, and that's why I remember the turning the clothes outside, inside out thing. What is that? She said, I was scared when she heard laugh. When she laughed, I don't think I have words in the English language for it. I've never heard someone laugh like that. I knew there was something really wrong. Boy, it just keeps going. Like, this woman knows how to tell a story, but my God. I don't understand the turning clothes inside out thing. I'll have to look up that after the fact because doing an episode, Kurt. You got to keep moving. You got lots to get through. Um, I might I might skip some of these stories. Mystery creature film lurch- lurching along river in Florida. That's right. Does Florida have its own sea serpent? People are saying, yeah, maybe. Or, you know, Florida has manatees and whales and dolphins, so it's probably that. But a mysterious creature estimated in 15 feet in length was seen undulating in waters off a city park in Edgewater, Florida. Even video is not helping with quick identification. Joe Tiller reports he was on the water with wife April when they recorded the monster, not a monster, September 9th in the Indian River North at Maynard May Park. Edgewater is about 60 miles northeast of Orlando. He thought it was a very big manatee, so do I, but something wasn't quite right. In these waters, it's not uncommon to see them. This one looked very different. It had huge muscles like shoulders on a bull. It was as if it was rolling its shoulders like a bear underwater. We didn't see any fur or heads or hands or feet. All righty, there's video. I'm going to watch it. Oh, it is undulating. Undulating is the perfect word. Um, yeah, that is weird. <coughs> I don't know what to think of this one either. Why are you making that weird noise, dude? Relax. Oh, it went under. Oh, and then you stopped. You should have kept... Why would you stop filming? Listen... You take one thing away from this episode. If you're filming something crazy, cool, and bizarre, don't just stop filming. Keep filming. It's a digital camera. It's fine. Uh, Up next, Paranormal News. Ghost photographed at former Civil War Hospital in Tennessee. Let's see. I've been wanting to look at this one because a lot of people were freaking out about this one. What did I just take a picture of? Was taking a photo of this tree smiling. I didn't even notice the figure until later. This was taken at a house being listed for... Sale... According to the homeowner, soldiers were operating on inside and he brought out the field where they, what is, how can, how can I, how come I can't read that? Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I don't know what it's a photo of either. Man, I got to post this one. All right. So let will be another thing that I'll post on the Facebook fan page. Let me know what you guys think, but I got to keep moving. I'm running out of time here. Not really, but, uh, I want to get to the actual episode. Finally, not finally. Next Lake Champlain monster, not a monster spotted on sonar. All right, let's watch this YouTube video. All right, this one is from September 10th, 2022. Team Champ Search. What did that say? Go back. Captured a creature an estimated length of 20 feet. All right. So it's sonar. Oh, that is a big freaking creature. A cryptozoologist in Vermont has captured something truly intriguing. Sonar footage which shows a sizable anomaly that just might be champy from Lake Champlain. It was recorded on September 10th by researcher Katie Elizabeth. She spent the last decade researching or searching for the famed creature known as Champy by way of her boat, the Kelpie 2. Uh, in the footage from her expedition earlier this month, a large object can be seen moving through Lake Champlain at a depth of approximately 42 and a half feet. The anomaly, estimated to be at 20 feet in length, appears to be some kind of creature that is seemingly using an appendage towards the front of its body to per- propel itself through the water. The video showcases a small perch and even a, wait, video, the video showcases a possible sighting. They said that it contrasts greatly with a school of fish, a sturgeon, a small perch, even a whale. None of these match that footage. All right, well, it's something else I got to throw up on the page. Two more. Let's do this. I got to get it done. Up next to Paranormal News, dash cam footage from Canadian cops, UFO sighting surfaces online. This one is from uh, a while ago, and it's lame. I'm I'm stopping it already. It's lame. I'm moving on. It's a light in the sky. There, It could be a helicopter. It could be a plane. It could be, I don't know, a flashlight for all this, for all I know. All right, finally, in paranormal news, something that just went up for sale that I thought was very cool. It's on Sotheby's.com. I'll put the link in the uh, Paranormal Almanac fan page as well. It's a vampire slaying kit, 20th century and later. It's estimated to go for about $3,000 to $5,000. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you've got one of these lying around, you can definitely mail me one of these because this thing is amazing. Comprising of a variety of articles, including a velvet-lined wooden chest with a padlock and key, two removable gilt metal sconces, two replica pistols, a pocket Bible, a strand of rosary beads, six wooden stakes, seven crucifix, one with the carved bone handle, one silver pendant, and 33 glass vials the vials bear paper labels most empty one containing coyote teeth it's neat looking It's a bummer that the uh the pistols are replicas but still very cool all righty with that let's get right into this episode kurt you you've been talking for too long so let's take a quick break we'll be right back <laughs> We are back. Hey. Welcome back. We're on the uh we're in the second 200 episodes of this podcast. Yeah, the first 200 episodes. They were great. They were fun. I loved them. You seemed to like a lot of them. You hated some of them, but we're back. And for episode 201, I figured I got another 200 episodes. Well, at least another 100 episodes till the 300. Let's just let's just focus on that, Kurt. I got another 100 episodes. Before I hit the 300th, why don't I start doing what I've talked about doing a few times, and that's doing cryptids or paranormal stories from each of the 50 states. Now, I'm not saying that the first 50 episodes, these next episodes from 201 to 250, whatever, are going to be all of the states in alphabetical order. Nope, not saying that at all. What I am saying is that I do want to do all 50 states eventually. Now, I'm starting with Alaska, getting a clean clean slate, starting with the A's. So, I figured let's head back up to Alaska. Let's talk some more about Alaskan cryptids. Now, you all know that Alaska has just an absolute shit ton of crazy wilderness and animals that want to eat you. But no matter how many times I think I've heard it all from the state, I find even more things to talk about. So, I figured let's get right on in to an Alaskan cryptid style from its native people, the Inuits. I want to know what they think is a cryptid or what was real that we now consider a cryptid. Alrighty, so the first one on this list is the Alaska Bushman or the Tornet. Now, it's really hard, I got to say, before I get too far into this, it's really hard to figure out if the Tornet or Alaska Bushman were just another tribe that had made it to Alaska from the Bering Strait? Like, that's how, you know, they say everybody got over to America, is the Bering Strait, Alaska, and then down into North America. But is this just another tribe that made it to Alaska? Or is it possibly another primate-like subspecies, another Gigantopithecus or Cro-Magnon or some other branch from, you know, from us, from people? Or is it straight up just a Bigfoot-like creature? I don't know. It's really hard to kind of get a grasp on what this thing really looks like and what it does. But let me just let me just tell you a little bit about the Alaska Bushmen or the Tornet. It seems this tribe went from completely accepted fact. Yep, early on, there was another tribe living right there alongside the Inuits. They said that was, yeah, there's just another tribe. They're called the Tornets they're very primitive. They don't seem to be very good at building things or structures or boats or kayaks or any of that stuff, but the inuits thought they were essentially harmless. Now, some even hunted alongside the inuits. So these they were like kind of intertwined. Then either the tornets moved off or vanished or died or possibly went into hiding. Because they went from accepted fact to a, now it's probably an Inuit legend. Which is really bizarre because these aren't, I'm not going back like a thousand years. I'm going back a few hundred years. So according to the internet and quoting Anchorage Daily, the newspaper. Now I got to say, I couldn't actually find this particular newspaper in the archives, but a lot of sites credited it and said it was a verified Anchorage Daily News story. So I'm going to read it as if it is, but kind of grain of salt. Stories of the Alaska Bushmen, or Tornets, have been told since the first humans crossed the Bering Land Bridge. Now, in the beginning, the story goes, the Inuit and the Tornets lived peacefully in villages near each other and shared common hunting grounds. The Inuit people often built and used kayaks for hunting. Now, while the Tornets were unable to master the building of the kayaks, they were very aware of the advantages of having and using one. Now it goes into kind of a legend. Story goes that a young tornet borrowed a young Inuit's kayak without permission and damaged the bottom of it. The young Inuit became very angry and stabbed the tornet in the nape of the neck while he was sleeping, killing him. That's an overreaction. I know it's a kayak and that's how you hunt and, you know, fish and live your life. But don't stab someone in the nape of the neck while they're sleeping, killing them. So the rest of the Tornets feared that they too would be killed by the Inuit and fled the country, rarely to be seen again. Since that time, many stories have come out of the bush of hunters disappearing, later found dead and mangled or never seen again. Now, apparently hunters and the Tornets no longer peacefully share common hunting grounds. But the weird thing with that is, now we're getting into more modern times. Yeah, hunters go out, disappear and die mangled all the time in Alaska. Kurt here, it's probably bears or the environment or the weather. But sure, maybe it's a tornado or two. I can't say no. I just found out these things existed. All right, but still, like I said, it's neat to find out things that are legend now. But again, you go back relatively not far, and they were common fact. All right, the up next one is the Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I learned how. I, come on, Kurt. You practice this. Kalapulak. Nope. Kala Kalupalik. There we go. Kalupalik. There we go. The Kalupalik is another Inuit legend. It's described as being human-like with green skin, long hair, very long fingernails. It's a woman, and she is said to live in the sea with scaly, bumpy skin and breathes underwater. Now, they're often depicted as having fins coming out of their heads or their backs or their torsos. Their hands are always described as webbed but clawed with very, very long fingernails made to hunt. Hi, Rum. How are you, sweetheart? You're a very good girl. I love you so much. The Kualupalik, there we go, are also rumored to smell like sulfur and wear duck clothing. I don't know how you make clothing out of a duck. I've never tried it, but there you go. Now, these, uh, these creatures are said to hum to entice children to come closer to the water. Like, like, they summon kids to, like, thin ice or the seashore or, you know, just too, too close to, the, to where danger is. And they wear this thing called an amaltic, which is a parka worn by Inuit women to hold a child against the back with a built-in baby pouch just below the hood. So, these these creatures, the Kualupaliks, they're said they'll come up on shore, grab the children if they're too close to the edge or too close to the thin ice, throw them in that little poncho kind of thingy, take them back to sea to either raise them as their own children or put them under a sleeping spell and suck the life force out of them. So, it's kind of like a... Uh, like a messed up mermaid that kid that kidnaps kids out. Now I can't find it when I was doing this, when I was like, boy, I swear I did a story about another woman like creature from another region that does this basically the same thing where they abduct kids. They get cl- too close to the water, but I couldn't find it while I was trying to, I, you know, I was like, which one was it? Is it possibly this one? And I just couldn't find it. But anyhow, I think it's really weird. There's two different cultures with basically that same legend to either scare children or there's some really fucked up looking creature thing that you know killed a couple of kids and became a cryptid if you will all righty so we got two creatures that are just like other cryptids how about this next one kurt here spoiler yes this next one is just like another cryptid too now it's called the adlet now here's something fun that i want to do i'm gonna give you i don't know about 10 seconds to figure out what kind of cryptid an adlet is all right you ready Start thinking. What kind of creature is an adlet? Any ideas? Take a guess. It won't hurt. All righty, what'd you guess? Now, since this is kind of like a one-way conversation on my part, let me just tell you, it's the Inuit version of a werewolf. Did anybody out there guess that an adlet is basically a werewolf? Now, even though it's the Inuit version of a werewolf, it's got a twist. It's said to have the lower body of a dog and the upper body of a human. Kind of like a reverse dogman. So maybe it's not a werewolf, maybe it's a dogman. If you, you know what? If you said dogman, I'm still going to give you those points. Make sure you keep score, keep track of your points because at the end of these 100 episodes, we're all going to tally up our scores. And the, and the winner will get a prize. So, um yeah, it's kind of like a reverse dog, man. Now, they're believed to be the offspring of an Inuit woman and a dog. That's right. If an Inuit woman has sex with a dog, she might just get an adlet. Or, to be more accurate, a bunch of them, really. Because it's said that when a woman, you know has sexy time with the dog, there's a chance, it's rare, thankfully, but there's a chance that the woman will give birth to 10 children. I don't know why they call them children. Let's just call them things. Basically, she has a litter. Half are dogs, so that's cute. Look, I love dogs. You all know that. The other half, but I don't love dogs. I want to make that very clear. While I love dogs, I don't love dogs dogs so half of them are dogs the other half are adlets you know lower body of a dog upper body of a human so basically all bad and awkward to explain to the neighbors but let me tell you more about the adlet now here's the probable origin of the adlet and it's actually straight from wiki it's actually very informative so i was like you know what i don't need to really change this one franz boas An ethnologist who has recorded many Inuit stories gives an account of the origin of the adlet. He had heard the story in Baffinland, which I kind of want to go to Baffinland, not to see women have sex with dogs, but just because it's a fun-sounding name. Now, it's specifically in Cumberland Sound, and it was from an Inuit named Pakak. Now, his transcription, a translation by H. Rink, and an explanation by Franz were published in the Journal of American Folklore in eighteen eighty nine. I think I've talked about this thing before. Now the Inuit of Greenland, according to Rink, tells the same story as those in Baffinland. The story is often referred to as the girl and the dogs on the west coast of Greenland. On the east coast of Greenland it is known as the origin of Kavlunite and Rigadigalig. Look. I don't know. It's, it's a whole bunch of letters. It's just basically I-R-Q-I-G-D-L-I-T. So you, you spell it. You say it. I'm not gonna. Now, here's what the story says. A woman, her name was Siang, or the girl, lives with her father, Savarkwong. Now, she won't marry. And is, <laughs> she's called something which, again, is just all consonants. It's Unagumasungatung. Yep, got that right. Nailed that one. Basically, it translates to she who wouldn't take a husband. Now, after rejecting all of her suitors, she marries a dog. It has white and red spots of her ten children. Five of the dogs, five are dogs, and the others are adlet, with dogs' bodies for the lower half and a man's body for the upper half. Now, she doesn't want to go hunting with her children. She doesn't want to go hunting. The children are very hungry. So she's like, well, i got to figure out how to provide for my house. She puts them in a boat, carries them off to a small island, saying, hey, you know what, to to the dad, hey, why don't you come by here and and give us meat daily? And so he throws his boots around his neck, swims to shore, but instead of giving them meat, she puts stones in the boots, and the dude drowns. Seems kind of fucked up, but all right. So, a young dog Uh, let's see, sends the young dogs over to gnaw for father's feet and hands. In return, he kicks her overboard when she steps to be, I don't know, it's a very funky story. He kicks her overboard when she happens to be in his boat, and when she hangs on the gunwale, he cuts off her fingers, which, when they fall into the ocean, turn into whales and seals. So that's apparently how we got whales and seals, people. Yeah, it's just all kinds of fucked up. But, the point of all of that that I found interesting was this story is being told In Alaska, at the very same time, 18th century, it's being told in Greenland, and it's the same story. I don't understand how that happens. I mean, I get that there was travel in the 1800s, late 1700s, early 1800s. I get that there was travel, but it seems odd that this is the story that, that went along. Like, people are sitting around going, hey, I got a story from back home. Let me tell you about this woman who fucked a dog, and these kids called the Adlets. But a number of stories were written about the Adlet by ethnographers in the 19th and the 20th century. So these stories really went out there. They really did. There's another story called the Tornet and the Adlet. So we've already talked about both of these. It was told by the Smith Sound Eskimo, an Inuit from Smith Sound, who was in New York City in the winter of 1897 and 1898. It was published in the Journal of American Folklore, and its two tornets find themselves among savage and cannibalistic adlet. They sneak out at night, and as they're leaving, they cut the thongs on the adlet's sledges that fasten the crossbars to the runners, so basically the sled. So the dogs start barking, but as the adlet mounts their sledges, the runners fall off, and the tornets get away. So people are actually combining cryptid stories in the late 1800s and telling them to anybody that, can, that wants to listen. I thought that was kind of neat. All righty, let's move on to another one called the Tisseruk. The Tisseruk are large serpent-like creatures that are believed to roam the waters near Key Island, Alaska. It's said to have a six-and-a-half-foot-long head and a tail with a flipper. The local Inuit people claim that it has snatched people straight off the piers without warning. It's also called Pal Ray Yuk. It's said to be similar to like Ogopogo and a few of the other sightings from the um, I can't think of the name of the creature that lives on lives in that um, that lake in Alaska that I talked about just recently. But it's basically it's a champion, Ogopogo, and Nessie, but this one seems to snatch people more regularly. Still kind of neat. Alrighty, the next one has a very, very easy name, for me anyway, to pronounce. So I'm bumping it up the list because I need a break from that one story because that was just way too many consonants. The next cryptid that is seen in Alaska has been seen up until the 20th century and then it hasn't had a sighting for a very long time, is a lion. Yep, a freaking lion. Over the years, a lion has been spotted in Alaska with absolutely no info on how the crap a lion got there, or how it survives the cold. But it's not been seen just once. It's been seen multiple times over a very long time period. So it would have to be more than one lion, or just some kind of, you know, immortal lion. All right. Now let's get to the big nitty and gritty. A whole bunch of creatures that are probably all the same thing. That's right. That's right. All the versions of Inuit Bigfoot. Now we know that Bigfoot is seen all over Alaska and Canada, but man, they've got a lot of names for it like the Ahulahuk, the Tunjuk, the Nayin, the Getkun, the Guti Kul, the Gilyuk, the Nantinak, and the Yura Yuli. Yura all right, let's start talking about all of these. We're going to go with that last one, the Yura Yuli. They're basically ape-like creatures. They live in southwestern Alaska. Basic Bigfoot description. Standing 10 foot tall, big feet, long, big muscles, long hair, shaggy fur, luminescent eyes. They smell like a skunk. Now, these are said to emit a high-pitched cry resembling that of a loon, but... This type of Bigfoot are said to be peaceful. Like I said, they're seen in the southwest, even near Lake Iliamna. That's the one I was just trying to think of that had the the, the sea monster in it, not a monster. Lake Iliamna, Ili. So um, the one that I was just talking about, it's probably that. But uh, let's see. There's a sighting online about the Oreuli. So let's take this with a grain of salt. But it says, here goes. My stepmother, when she was about 10, so roughly 25 years ago, Her and her cousin and their friends live in Ketchikan, Alaska. They said they were walking down the mountain from her grandmother's house, halfway up the mountain to school. Down the mountain, there's a culvert to collect all the water, but they were passing the end of it when there was a creek. They said they saw what I assumed to be a Uriuli. She described it as being about five to five and a half feet tall, so not very tall, covered in hair. Its face was relatively bare, but it was very naked and covered in longish, light brown cinnamon hair. It was hunched over when she saw it, but she said that its arms were long, down to its ankles, with slumped shoulders like a monkey, and it was only ducking its head. So she could tell how long its arms were, you know, really were. She said that when the group of kids came upon it, it looked at them intelligently in a way that they conveyed the feeling of, what are you doing in my house? But it didn't run away or freeze in fear. It was broad daylight. So, There you go. She said it didn't have glowing eyes. She thought she was seeing a giant monkey, except obviously it's Alaska. There's no way it could have been a monkey. Very interesting. So if you see, here's the problem though. It all depends on which part of Alaska you're in and which type of Bigfoot you see because some of them are really mean. Other ones like this one, very nice. So how about you don't guess? If you see a Bigfoot, kind of keep your distance. Don't fucking shoot it. Take video of it. Don't stop recording. Keep an eye out for it. All right, let's go with uh, to the hula hook. That means hairy man, totally a Bigfoot. It was seen near Valdez, Alaska in the south. But here's what I was just talking about. This one, not all peaceful. The hula hook is said to be more aggressive than the yura Now, here's a bit that I want to read uh, about the, the hula hook. Alrighty, This one means a creature who makes a bellowing cry. It's also known as the hairy man. It's, uh, it's plentiful in the Alaskan wilderness. It's supposed to be about 10 feet tall, very long arms, bellowing cry, curious, but can be predatory, very horrendous looking. It's a night traveler said to be fond of raiding campsites as well as stealing fish from inattentive fishermen. Under a darker light, Alaska's hairy man is also blamed for baffling disappearances of dogs and even people. They said that uh, all the way from Alaska to Greenland through the Canadian Arctic Islands, the natives' people have spoken about these for decades, more than decades, like hundreds of years. So um, let's see. Here's one real short snippet from Catherine Sherman a well-known researcher and writer in her Spring on an Arctic Island book. uh, 1902, an extremely primitive tribe of people lived on the Southampton Island. Some of their customs were those thought to be the Huluhuk or possibly the Tunjuk. Interesting. It goes on to say, and I don't know if this is true, that this woman, Catherine Sherman, vanished, not vanished, sorry, visited 1955, at Baffin Island, where someone had just vanished. The people told her they thought it was the hula hook. Interesting, right? Very, very weird. Alrighty, then the Bethel newspaper featured dozens of eyewitnesses of the hula hook, that 10-foot Sasquatch. Let me just briefly go through some of these. Hold on one second. Rom. Here you go. Have that treat. You're being a good girl. All righty. This one says, on Saturday, August 13th, I'm sorry, August 3rd, 2013, a family from Bethel witnessed a very tall, black-colored creature walking upright while they were out picking berries. Family of three, dad, mom, younger daughter, were out on the Penguk River near the village of Napakiak. Sure, why not? The creature was walking on the winter trail when the family saw it. The dad saw it first, pointed to his wife. She got closer where he was, Basically saying, like, hey, look, you see that thing? It's crazy. What is it? Well, no. We're so scared, the mom said. It was black and tall. The Bigfoot-like creature was approximately a mile away from their berry-picking site, so it wasn't very close to them. It did not look like a human person because a person from that far away would not look very big. The creature was significantly larger, even at a distance. The sighting occurred at 6.30 p.m. before a torrential rainstorm hit the area, and they lost sight of the creature. I thought that was kind of cool. All right, up next is the Tunjuk. Same Bigfoot description. Let me read you a quick story about this one. The Traverspine Gorilla, or Traverspine Gorilla, a wild man from Labrador. That's right. The Inuit tribes of Alaska talk about, including North Canada and Greenland, talk about the Tunjuk. Some say it's the Tunijuk, but everywhere I looked said to just pronounce it Tunjuk, so I'm, good. I'm just going to pronounce it that way. Uh, the Inuit began to hunt down the Tunjuk and greatly reduced their numbers. The giants who survived fled to the mountains of the interior, whereas they say they linger to this day. There's the Torn Mountain Range, which is a barren Sierra in the tundra of the Labrador Peninsula. And uh, Torn Gat derives its name from an Inuit word meaning place of spirits. But it has another thing. There's been a lot of Bigfoot sightings in that area, including Valley Goose Bay, a Royal Canadian Air Force town located about 700 kilometers southeast of the mountains on the shores of Lake Melville and the Grand River. In fact, 1913, a tiny settlement located on the outskirts of this town was the setting of several encounters with a mysterious creature who has become known as the Traverspean Gorilla. Uh, Let's see. Eric Merrick, 1933 book called The True North, A Journey into Unexplored Wilderness, said ghost stories are very real in this land of scattered, lonely homes and primitive fears. But in 1913, a little girl by the name of Michelin was playing alone in a meadow not far from her parents' cabin when she saw a strange, man-like creature emerge from the woods. It was about seven feet tall, covered in hair, long, dangling arms, while its head was topped with a white mane that ran across the crown like the helmet crest of a Roman centurion. The creature grinned at the little girl, bearing its white teeth, and beckoned for her to come closer. The girl screamed, ran to the house, because that's what I would do if I was me. Screw being a little girl. If I was me, I would do that. So the creature left tracks all around the cabin. It's a strange-looking foot, about 12 inches long, narrow at the heel, forking at the front into two broad, round-ended toes. Sometimes its print was so deep it looked away about 500 pounds. Then, local lumberjacks began to search the area for the creature when they heard the story, so they set bear traps but they couldn't catch it they said this thing was smart enough to avoid the bear traps so they laid in night they laid in wait at night with their rifles at hand but again it was smart enough to avoid them now many observed its strange tracks in the dirt and snow but they never got close enough to catch it they said they noticed that the creature ripped bark off trees uprooted huge logs in search of insects probably um it, hang, it hung around the outskirts of this town for two full winters. It would often harass dogs, which barked and growled at it in the night. It would sometimes drive its canine contenders into the river. Don't like that. Uh, one afternoon, the creature made a second appearance at the Michelin home. Another one of the Michelin children noticed the creature peering into the cabin. Uh, so they got out of the house, shotgun in hand, just in time to see a white mane disappear into a clump of willows. They fired a shot at the underbrush. Heard a meaty thud, which told her that she, her lead had found its mark, but it ran away. They said it was no bear. I've killed 12 myself. I know their tracks. Well, I've saw enough of this thing. Be sure of that. I fired a shotgun at it. I heard the shot hit. My little girl was playing in the house and she came running in to say it was chasing her. I grabbed the shotgun, went outside just in time to see a glimpse of it disappearing into the bush. It just keeps going on and on and on, but that's, you know, the bulk of it. Very, very cool. Again, I love it when sightings were written about at the time that it happened because it just gives more credence to them for me. Okay, let's see. The next two are just listed as names. No Bigfoot, like, really big sightings of the Bigfoot or stories to go with them. So I'm just going to skip the Nayin and the Getcoon. They're there. That's what they call Bigfoot. They look like Bigfoot. So up next is the Gutikal of the Chilcat Range. That's uh, near the Chilcat River, of course it is. Uh, it's basically just a Bigfoot. If you see a Bigfoot in that reason, in that region, just know basically you saw a guty coot. They don't tell me. I couldn't find anywhere. Is this a good Bigfoot or is this a bad Bigfoot? So again, keep your distance. All righty, let's see. Um, this next one I had to add to this list because it's the best. It's called the Gilyuk it's also known as the big man or the shaggy man with the little hat. It's right. It's a Bigfoot with a freaking hat. Um, again, it's kind of long. I don't want to read all of it. Uh, it's about a group of Native Americans or Inuit people come upon a small canyon in British Columbia, and they saw a huge hairy giant and a large brown bear in a battle. They said they think these things were fighting it out. Uh. It was published in the Sports Afield magazine, entitled "Long Hunter, Alaskan Style" by Russell Annabel, the story of Tex Cobb, a mountain man who spent years trapping in Canada and Alaska. Let's see, it says the um, he got in good with the people, the the indigenous people. Once he became, you know, kind of entwined and and people liked him and whatnot. They actually started to tell him about this big man or shaggy man with a little hat, the Gilyuk. They were camping in a pretty spruce part of the Yellow Jacket Creek south of Tyone Lake. He said that we had spent the entire summer on this mountain wandering and looking for for fur sign. Basically, they were kind of being furriers, trying to find things to kill to cut their fur off like monsters did back in the day. But he said it was very beautiful country, no mosquitoes, tons of fish, tons of uh, animals that were eating the fish, caribou, bears, you name it. And then they said they had eaten, blah, blah, blah. They said, we woke up. They asked if I'd eaten. I said, yeah. They said that uh, these people had horses that were big as moose. And they said, what is that thing out in the distance? So they followed a couple of Native Americans or Inuits upstream a couple of miles to a burned flat on which a nurse crop of aspen and birch had grown. In the center of the flat stood a ruined birch sapling. It had been about four inches through, maybe about 10 feet tall. Something had twisted the sapling as a man would twist a matchstick. The woods had separated into individual fibers, the bark hung in tatters. He said, I've never seen something so big twisted the way it is. He said, moose don't do this, caribou don't do this, bear don't do this. And they, the native people said, no, it's the Gilyuk's mark. We've seen it before. He said, uh, in the camp in the morning, he was still looking at the twisted sapling. And they said... Uh, We'll show you the Giliuk. So they took him to where the Giliuk usually was seen. There, he saw basically a Bigfoot. Basically, he saw a Bigfoot with a little hat. He's got a little hat on him. Now, it doesn't describe the hat, so I'm going to say here's your chance to make whatever hat you want on a Bigfoot. That's your chance. They saw a Bigfoot with a little hat, so if it's one of those little, like, beanies with propeller on the top of it, there you go. He gave you a chance to... Give yourself a chance to make your own little Gilly kind of hat. Alrighty. Uh, even though it's got a tiny hat, I'm 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 loving that Bigfoot. I want to see a Bigfoot with a tiny hat. Now let's uh, very very quickly. I want to go down a list from the Bigfoot Registry of Alaskan sightings of Bigfoot. They range from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2020s, all. Over Alaska, there's two in Anchorage, two in Bethel, five in Fairbanks, three in Southeast Fairbanks, three in Prince of Wales, two in Matanuska or Matanuska. Basically, if you look at the whole bottom half of Alaska, it is all covered with Bigfoot sightings. So that just shows that even though Alaska is huge, Bigfoot seem to be all throughout the state. All righty. Up next on this one, just a slight old uh, vintage paranormal news story from May 18th, 2011. Not going to read the whole story, but it's our Alaska. Bigfoot sightings in Ketchikan? That's right, even more in Ketchikan. They said Alaska is known for its wildlife, bears, moose, caribou, and sea lions, but it also is known for its Bigfoot. There is a dearth of sightings. Let's see, uh, the Bigfoot's northern cousin, the Yeti, is more appropriate fit for Alaska, but the sightings they see here seem to be of the typical Bigfoot. Here's one. I was on a logging road in Ketchikan, hiking with my friend when I saw it. Boy, did my heart start racing. It was about 40 yards from the road. Not sure if it knew I was there or not because the noise of flowing water from the stream. It seemed to travel fast. It made my hair stand up. At one point, you could see a whitish-yellowish thing in its hand. I believe it was a skunk cabbage. Not sure, but it is in bloom. You see it jump, and after that point, it just seems to disappear. There was a lot of brush and trees between it and I. I couldn't tell where it had gone. It was a scary sort of exciting feeling at the same time. We went to search for the tracks, but the riverbed where we thought it was walking was full of perfect skipping rocks. We found no prints. If there is a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, or whatever, a a Kushtaka, I swear I saw him. And then it talks about all of the sightings that I kind of just glanced over from the Bigfoot Researchers Organization site. And that's about it. All right, I want to keep going. Starting to run out of time here. Let's talk about this one. You might be surprised to learn that Bigfoot has been spotted at these 13 eerie locations. So if you want to see a Bigfoot, this is where you should go. Number one, Peterson from 1900 to 1925. Dozens of trappers told stories of running into Bigfoot. Ruby, Alaska, 1943. It was reported that a man was attacked by an unknown creature in the wilderness about 18 miles from the Yukon from the town of Ruby. He later died of internal injuries and the creature that attacked him was said to be run off by his dog team. Bristol Bay. This one from 1940 near the town of Kaluka. A group of ladies were berry picking when they reportedly came upon a large man-like creature with long hair running down its back. They later went on to capture capture this creature, cage, and feed it. It later died, and the story was documented in a letter from the caged keeper. I love this story, but unfortunately... Man, my speakers keep cutting out. Hello. There we go. I love this story, but unfortunately, that's all I could find about it. These people caught and kept a Bigfoot until it died. And I can't find where the body went. Did anybody go and see it? Did any newspapers go and see it? I want like records from the time. It's again, it's not from like 400 years ago, it's from 1940. It seems like this should be a good spot to go to to find the body of a Bigfoot. All righty, up next Wrangle Narrows. This one from 1942. Man was sitting on the beach when he reportedly saw a massive seven foot tall creature rummaging through the woods. Fort Yukon. This one, even more recent, from 1969. A man reported shooting a Bigfoot. As y'all know, we don't fucking shoot Bigfoot around here. He was out moose hunting and he said this thing came upon him. He got scared, so he shot it. Ah, fuck that guy. Next one, Galena. Again, 1960s. Tons of sightings of Bigfoot around Galena. Huslia, Huslia, 1970s. The people in this village reported seeing a creature passing swiftly through the night only once, though. So not a great place to go to see him. Ketchikan, this one's got a lot of sightings. 1956, there was a sighting. He was out fishing, saw a giant eight-foot-tall creature, 400 pounds, walked on two feet like an ape. Young boy saw the similar thing in 1960. As I just told you from a little bit ago, Ketchikan seems to be a place to go to see Bigfoot. Nulado or Lado In 1920, a man died in this area after trying to fight off a Bigfoot. Okay? Don't, don't fight Bigfoot either. The Kobuk or Kubuk River. I'm sure I'm getting these names wrong, and I'm sorry. 1966, a man near Doll Creek found large man-like tracks near his mining camp. One day, he approached the creature and shot it. Afterwards, he described it as being like a huge man-like bear, that it was enormous in size, and walked on two feet. Where's that body? Where's that one at? Again, 1966. Who's taking all these bodies? The Nelchino Plateau. The 1930s, locals were shocked when a Bigfoot like creature killed one of the locals by tearing him to complete shreds. They said it was a cannibal giant covered in hair. Port Chatham. This one I've already talked about. It's that village where they there that canning village where a bunch of shit happened. I told, talked about that on the last Alaska episode, so I'll skip that one wrangle finally wrangle there's been multiple bigfoot sightings in wrangle since the early 1900s including a man that was berry picking in the woods when he saw a massive man-like creature covered in fur it seemed to be having a conversation with something else nearby another one bigfoot right there carrying a three-year-old back to her home after she wandered off in the woods without anyone noticing her a lot of weird bigfoot stories in alaska Alrighty. Let's see. Last news article. Let me see what this one's about. I don't think it's Bigfoot. If I remember correctly, it is not. No, it is not. This one comes from October 18th, 2002 from CNN. We're getting off the Bigfoot train. We're moving on to the last couple of cryptids of this episode. Massive bird spotted in Alaska. He's huge. He's huge. He's really, really big. All right. Be more descriptive. The article says a bird the size of a small airplane was recently said to be seen flying over Southwest Alaska, puzzling scientists. I think I've talked about this one before, but I wanted to put this one on here because again, it's cryptids of Alaska. It had a wingspan of 14 feet, size of a small airplane. At first I thought it was one of those old time otter planes. Then I realized as it banked to the left, it wasn't a plane at all, but a large bird with a 14 foot wingspan. Looked like an old dinosaur raptor. That is cool. All righty, up next is the, um, there's two quick ones. I'm just going to do two quick ones real quick. I was, I was going to, like, talk more about the, the raptor, but, you know, what? we're at a little over an hour, so let's just move on to these two last ones. The Keyloot. The Keyloot is described as an evil earth spirit that takes the form of a black, hairless dog with only hair on its feet. It's much like the black dogs that are seen all over Great Britain, follows travelers at night, attacks them, and kills them. If a trail of dog tracks is found nearby that suddenly, like, you know, like, it go off, like, they, you follow the trails and they just disappear, they say get back to civilization as quick as you can because the kilut is nearby, the kilut or kilut is nearby, and it's going to kill you. And finally, the wahila, which is a large wolf-like creature that is supposed to be more mystical than beast, they say. It's Hiram. Yes, I was just talking about a black dog like you. You're a black dog. I love you. You don't kill and eat me, though. Uh, The Wahila is supposed to be more mystical than Beast because it's only ever seen alone, not in packs. It's thought to be something entirely different, though, or possibly a new or old breed of wolf. They say it's very dinosaur-like of a wolf, very ancient, ginormous, big, larger teeth, Uh, Native legends describe the Wahila as an evil spirit with supernatural powers, describe it as killing people and removing their heads. It's been theorized that the Wahila is actually an amphicenoid. Cyanid. Amphicyanid. Sure, amphicyanid. I don't know. It's basically a prehistoric wolf or a dire wolf, you know, that kind of stuff. Maybe even a prehistoric hyena. They said they don't know what it is, but it's still seen in Alaska. Alrighty, that about does it for this week's version of uh, Paranormal Almanac, or this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac. But again, I kind of wanted to start with, A, we're back in the, we're, we're at the beginning. We're going to go through all the 50 states eventually. So if you've got a state that you live in, or your famous, you know, your favorite state or whatever, and you happen to know a cryptid and you want me to talk about it, except for Alaska, because it's too late. I'm actually at the end of the episode now. You, you waited too long. But for any other state... Just let me know. Email me at paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. I want to talk about cryptids from all over America. And once we're done with America, oh, we're going to cover the world. That's right. We're going to go worldwide. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Savagan. this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Bye.